guys. Welcome back to the show, Amy Weber Unleashed. Of course, I'm Amy Weber, and I am here with a pretty fascinating guest I hear. Michael, how are you? I'm great, man. I was looking at your intro. You do it all. I, incredible. I You're sitting there hammering nails and <laughs> doing music videos. I'm impressed. I'm, I'm actually nervous right now. People are like, stay in your lane. I'm like, why? I need to have a hyphen. Right, exactly. Yeah, definitely. So um, you have your own podcast. I do. What do you talk about on your show? So um, the first episode, just to let you know, it's called The Playmate and The, and the Fighter Pilot. Okay. Uh, so I, I want everyone from astrophysicists to people who work in the adult industry. I absolutely, it's, it's intellectual curiosity. If you think about more like Joe Rogan, but not quite as many MMA guys, not quite as many Navy SEALs, but more models and physicists and, and, and authors. And I've got several authors coming on. Um, I have a therapist coming on. We're going to talk about narcissism, sociopathy. So it's really, I just want to cross section. The ethos of the podcast is uh, intellectual curiosity and there's no boring people. It's my job to find the human condition in every person, no matter how other people may find them vapid. There's no vapid people. Right. Everyone has an interesting story. They have a, a parental story, a growing up story, a struggle that they overcame. And I, it's my job to find that. So that's that's basically what it is. And there's also no judgment on the show. Like it, I don't really care what you do. There's some girls who are on OnlyFans and maybe they used to be escorts. We absolutely no judgment whatsoever. And there's some people on that we're going to have. And I'm excited because uh, Travis is going to help me with this. We're going to get some flat earthers on there. And we're going to debate them. Wow. So, so there's, uh, again, there is Brave no, man. yeah, there is no, uh, no limit to what we're going to do on that show. I think it's fascinating. Look, I, like you said, everybody has a story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, people say, oh, why, why did you want to do the podcast? And it's like, I think people my entire life have sort of had this impression yes. of me, this sort of, oh, perfect charmed life kind of a thing and um it really could not be more further from the truth or um i'm a dingbat kind of a thing it's like i had a full academic scholarship right. so you know and i'm interested i think we're interested in a lot of the same things i know i'm not supposed to research my guests but i do like to kind of get a background oh, i'm glad I'm on glad. you so you t i was on the debate team so Where i thought you? yeah uh, so, so for me, I have the same issue. So, um, I, on Instagram, I unapologetically like purport myself to be like this big event host, which I am. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I also am the host of several uh, bikini pageants and beauty pageants and stuff like that. Uh, but at the same, and I, and I host a bunch of parties. At the same time, you know, I have a minor in astrophysics, and I was an, a captain in the U.S. Air Force. Uh, I flew a KC-135 in Iraq wow. and Afghanistan. And then I, I go through maybe forty to sixty books a year. Uh, on different on different subjects, so I have the same sort of issue where people think of me in one way. I'm, I've heard everything from I'm a drug dealer to a pimp to <laughs> I inherited a bunch of money to uh, I'm some sort of predator. Like I, I hear all, all these rumors about me, and I was just like, you know what? It's not that I need to prove anybody wrong because it's that's not the issue. Sure. But the thing is, I do feel like, and I I, I feel you, you feel the same way. I have something to give, and I and it's for other people. I'm, I would never do a podcast for me. My podcasts are never for me. Right. They're always for other people. Yeah, I think, look, I, I, I feel the same. It's like, I don't think that I went through and survived sort of the things that I did to then just be in this myopic right. world that I'm not able to share my experience and kind of explain, like, look, um, there were times when most people wouldn't have gotten back up and I got back up and I kind of want to explain to people what my mentality was and why I got back up and kind of maybe through that shared experience, give them some type of hope or some kind of tool that they can use to sort of improve their own life. And kind of on that subject, I think I had heard, um, do you not believe in the secret or you have your own feelings about the secret so, so, and uh, manifestation? So I believe that the secret can help you. What I have a problem with is that now people believe that from a from a physical standpoint that the world will manifest things for you. Right. And the, when, when I hear manifest, I literally mean uh, anti-particles popping in and out of existence in the quantum space. Like that's what manifest means to me. And I'm like, that's not a real thing. And it's dangerous if you believe in that. So here, here's an issue that I have. And I get a lot of pushback from people on this. It is cute to believe in the Zodiac. It is cute. But we, I don't know how else to explain this. Do you, you know what Mercury in retrograde means, course, right? Absolutely. Yes. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. It, it absolutely doesn't. Because if you look at the gravitational pull from Mercury, like we can measure these things. We are so advanced. From a physics standpoint, there is so much information and incredible things that we can learn. But instead, we still believe that because Jupiter is in the sign Sagittarius, that therefore I can't date John. And this part, the, the thing about this is while it's cute, 
Now, when I want to explain to you that gravity is 9.81 meters per second squared or that the speed of light is 300,000 kilometers per second, you don't have room for that because you still believe in Virgo and Sagittarius. Right. That's the issue that I have. So when we go back to the, the secret, I have no problem whatsoever with positive thinking changing. There's a great book called The Winner, the Winner Effect where it actually talks about something similar to the secret. If I consistently have this positive outlook, I'm going to create a winner mentality, but that's, that's not ethereal woo shit. That's not doing. Uh, But, but, but it's not ethereal either. It's not some woo stuff. It literally is. There are neural pathways that are being created in my actual physical brain, not some spiritual place. And those neural pathways are creating winning habits for me. That's a real thing. That is, there's nothing manifested. But habits is the key word there because the thing that is like you said, it's like, look, you can wish and you can have faith and everything else, but if you're not willing to do the steps necessary to then make that a reality, you know what I mean? So, I, so yeah. the the react, but that the thing you just said makes the first thing dangerous, right? So the, the the part I'm trying to say is manifestation. Believe in it by itself doesn't seem dangerous, but when you don't do the work, now the manifestation literally takes the place of the work, and now it becomes a dangerous thing. If right. you did the manifestate, if you believed in the manifestation and did the work, it's the greatest thing in the world. If you don't, you have now created a crutch where now you have an excuse to stay on your mom's couch because the world will manifest for me. And that is what I, that's what I have a problem. But literally the program that I teach, I have a master program I teach called the men of action program or the people of action because the point is action. It's always action. We only pay attention to people's actions. Right. And I think, look, habits are really important, right? I mean, I have a thing up for my children. I've got twins and it's like, these are healthy habits. Sure. Right. And for me, it's like, especially there's some people that if you don't plan out your entire day, all of a sudden it's two o'clock and you want sure. to oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. where the hell the day went and it's like there are those people that just need that those boundaries they need that structure mm-hmm. in their life so but it's interesting because okay so mercury in retrograde look um i'm a faithful person yeah. i'm a really open-minded person but i'm kind of curious because whenever shit's hitting the fan <laughs> and i look up mercury or, in fact, is in retrograde. So I'm just wondering, because we're all energy, right? We're energy beings, Okay. right? Right. We can walk into well, a room. We, we can manage, well, we, we, in one form, we are energy. On a, right. on a relativity scale, yes, we are energy, yes. Because, you know, if you're in a really great mood and mm-hmm. you come into a room and someone's in a really shitty mood, yeah. they will pop your bubble. Okay, so now we're talking semantics. From a psychological standpoint, if Travis walks into the room and he looks very upset, my mood is going to change. Yes. But this has to do with evolution. This has to do with the fact that, you know, that evolution just gave him eyebrows and a nose and a face to, in order to describe his facial his uh, mood. Right. And now from his mood, my mood may change. I may become concerned. If I see as Travis is a super high status individual, I may become very concerned that something's going to happen to me. Is that energy? Literally, there are photons coming off his face to me, but in you know, an actual tacit manner, this is a psychological effect where yeah. I'm just noticing his face. So to say that that's energy is a semantics thing. Like I, I don't know, energy to me are photons, gluons, bosons, and you know, gravitons, that like yeah. force carrying particles in, in the laws of physics. That's what energy is to me. But to other people, I mean, it, it may mean something else. Sure, semantics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You may call it one thing. Someone correct, call it correct. Another. Yeah. But I mean, seriously, when I played football, we had to bring good energy and start yelling at our teammates right. to like cheer them on is that again that would be energy like what you're saying i'm, yes. I'm not literally transmitting photons to these other people Absolutely. right yeah. so so again this is the, the when you come from a physics background a lot of times a lot of these so for instance when people take quantum mechanics and they try to turn quantum mechanics into this universe alternate parallel thing trying to say that the world is an illusion where it is an illusion it's just the the problem is let's learn the physics first and then like not try to make it into something else so many people know that mercury is in retrograde but don't know that mercury doesn't have any moons or an atmosphere and it's actually just (laughs) the iron core of a previous planet that existed there and most people do not know that mercury is so close to the sun that its orbit is actually manipulated through relativity it does not have a a normal elliptical orbit because of the gravitational pull of the sun but we don't know that we just know it's an retrograde that's right. it so i'm just curious like why are we all having these bad situations when mercury that's what i'm saying like is everyone just sort of I, I, I think it's observational bias i don't think i think you, you think ha- I, I think if you were to look if you were to actually plot it out and you would find well the other thing is you understand mercury's orbital period is so much smaller than earth it's going to be in retrograde often right, right. So for those for, for those of you who don't know what retrograde is like because a lot of people just hear that word and it's a cool word which is why so people when it say goes it backwards right the well planet. but the planet doesn't go backwards right. that's, the, that's the issue right <laughs> so if you if you ever watch uh uh the 200 meter dash have you ever seen it no. you know how they start off staggered okay um another example would be like you're in a train 
and you're supposed to be going forward. So if you look out at the train to your right, you should see that train going backwards. Right, but, but that it looks, but it stops, and right. that train goes forward. It looks like you're going backwards. Right. So, so from the perspective of the fact that the orbital period of Mercury is so much less than Earth, I believe it's 33 days, something like that. Whereas for for the planet Earth, it's 365 days. Mercury, it's like 33 wow. days, 36 days, something like that. So because of that, what you're going to have is there's going to be these periods where Mercury looks like it's going backwards. And, and from the opposite, from uh, Johannes Kepler's observations of right. Mercury, which is by the way where we get Mercury in retrograde from. Uh, he saw Mercury do this like kind of circle thing. Okay. And so it looks like it's going backwards, but it's not. It's just from the perspective where we are, it was going in the, in the opposite direction. Correct. Okay. It's perspective. The other thing about Mercury in retrograde is it's so close to the sun, none of us ever see it. Like unless you have an, a telescope, it's very difficult to see Mercury uh, moving with the naked eye. Venus is easy to see. Jupiter, obviously, you see every night. And then, uh, you know, Saturn also. Okay. So at the end of the day, it's just like a fucking excuse. I, I believe it's an excuse. I, just, just the thing the thing that we have to understand is like the gravitational pull of the moon is next to nothing on us specifically. It has a pull on the tide. So if the moon is to, is a quarter million miles away and Saturn is one billion miles away, then why are we worried about the gravitational pull of Saturn or much less Mercury? Right. Mercury, which is like uh, the Earth is uh, 93 million miles away from the sun. There's a lot of flat earthers who are getting angry at me right now for even <laughs> saying this stuff. Uh, but Mercury is, uh, I, I think, like a third of an astronomical unit or a quarter of an astronomical unit. It's so much much closer yeah. uh, to the sun and um, so it just goes so much faster it's crazy okay so I don't know you've definitely made me think it's just here's, here's the thing Amy how about this instead of don't don't worry about whether mercury in retrograde think of all the other things that are coming right. that are in real physics science technology engineering and mathematics that are going to change our lives like artificial intelligence yes. or or the fact that you know we have um, the fact that we have self-driving cars or the fact that we're going to have the uh, the ability for commercial low er, low earth orbit to travel probably in our lifetime we will yeah. it'll be possible for us to take a vacation to the moon like we do to Disneyland just like yeah. a 3 day trip up there things like that that are coming you know 3d printed housing the ability to to feed massive amounts of people you know uh, all kinds of things the cure for cancer may be coming in the future and all these things are going to come through actual technology but they're yeah. not going to come through crystals and my best friend <laughs> loves crystals and right. i keep trying to explain to her like no, like there's so much there for you yes. in the world right now. The, the, when you, if you were to study the actual physical construct of the world, it is so much more amazing than anything that you could make up believing in crystals or uh, voodoo's or spirits or anything like that. So right. that to me, to me, actual quantum mechanics, like the wave particle duality or Schrodinger's equation or stuff like that, is so much more fascinating to me. But it's harder to grasp, yeah. right? And also that we have the same thing, the sort of voodoo belief that we have in finance where people think that they can pick which way the market's going to go. And, oh, my gosh. And we can't. No one can. And it's so insulting to some people when you explain to them your chart reading is hokum. It is not real science. And they get very angry about it. But I'm like, I show three Nobel Prizes, prizes by people who basically show efficient market hypothesis. No, you can't pick market direction. Like, no, 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 I can't. I can because Mercury's in retrograde. I can pick which way the market's going to go. And it's right. just insanity. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's markers. Um, like, I'm in real estate. I'm a real estate broker with the agency. So there's definitely, like, you know, forecasts for me when sure. I know things are going to happen. Like, for instance, you know, when the um, the forbearance for, you know, mortgages and rent all basically comes to an end, it's not going to be some instantaneous thing where people are suddenly losing their houses. Sure. It is going to be, you know, um, it's going to take some time to catch up. Because I the mean, information's already in the market. Right. But the other reason why it's random is because you know and I know, and if I don't know, I can get on the internet and find out. And we can all find out at the same time. Right. right? Whereas when you know, uh, Warren Buffett created Berkshire Hathaway, he was able to hire private investigators to investigate certain companies. So he had an asymmetry of information versus other retail investors. Whereas now I don't, I know exactly as much as he do does. I can find a balance sheet on any company I want in less than 10 seconds. Right. So the asymmetry of information is gone. Therefore the markets are more efficient, even the housing market. Therefore it makes it even more impossible for you to predict what someone is going to do. Sure. No, absolutely. Oh my goodness. You're fascinating. John wasn't, wasn't even kidding. So I want to hear about the, the men in action. I want to understand how this came about. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you also about you were in the military. Yeah. There's a lot going on right now yes. in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And uh, so why don't we dig into your men of action? How did so, this come about? So the two actually have to do with each other. What happened was I got out of the military. I moved here and I, I was working for a casting agent for a while. And I met a bunch of actors and people in L.A. And compared to the people that I knew in the military, I just couldn't believe like how negligently, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, 
they, lazy. They, yeah, lazy, unaccountable. I had a modeling agency. I got it. <laughs> exactly. You understand. Didn't so, so, treat it like a business. Of course. Yeah. So I saw that, and, and to me, I saw four main issues, and it is called the Men of Action Program. It's a misnomer. I do have women in the Men of Action Program, but they get to do it for free. I don't charge the women to be in, a, in the program. So um, the way the program works is there's four uh, pillars, four main pillars. The first one is social networking. And in that place, we talk about, if I was going to base a book on each one of them, it's how to win friends and influence people is going to be the first pillar. Okay. Right? So it's going to be things like outvalue arbitrage. And I'm sure you've dealt with this before, where you introduce two high-status people to each other, and then yes. they're the two high-status people imbue high-status on you, not even knowing anything about you. It's like Euclidean ge geometry. If A equals B and B equals C, then C equals A. Right. So that's, that's kind of the main part of that. And then also the way to communicate, not... Uh, qualifying yourself. Let people discover how successful you are instead of bragging to them how successful you are. Right. That's what high status people do. So that would be like the first part, which is social networking. The second part is entrepreneurship. And the, the main part of that is going to be crucial conversations, uh, a book called uh, The E-Myth Revisited, uh, and then a book called The One Thing by Gary Keller from Keller Williams Realty. He left okay. Keller Williams and he wrote a book basically saying that multitasking is a myth. You focus on one or two things in the world that you become elite at, and then that's how you end up making millions of dollars. And those things, you use them to solve other people's problems. Right. And so that that's the second part. My um, the, uh, the entrepreneurship part of the Men of Action program is strictly fo focused on efficiency, getting rid of black boxes, something we called in the military where you have like there's some receptionist who works at your company who has all the e the password emails, right? right. He, uh, the email passwords has all the keys to all the, and then she gets fired or gets That's sick. That's too much power. And the, and the entire <laughs> thing falls apart because right. you have this one, there's no redundancy, right? right? And then the other thing is true artist ship. Like for instance, we are doing a podcast right now because you and I are in a studio that somebody else made for us, right? But we don't, you and I, like my specialty is not lighting and, and setting up cameras for a podcast. So we have someone else doing this. So so we figure out a way to get these out quickly. You're, you, you do several of them at one time. I do several of them at one time. Yeah. So that true artist ship. So that's the second part, the entrepreneurship. The third part is leadership. And this is mostly based on a book by Jocko Willick called uh, uh, Extreme Ownership, right? And so the idea is if anything's wrong in your company, it's your fault. It doesn't make any difference if it's actually your fault. It is your fault. Sure. No one else is going to solve it but you, so it's your fault. And the main part of that, and by the way, the number one thing I teach is people probably under the age of 30, 35 to stop speaking in a passive aggressive manner. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? It does. Just because I'm afraid of someone's opinion. I had a discussion yesterday with somebody about <clears throat> somebody I respect very much about something that they believe that I believe it was a myth. And I tried to, in, a, in the way that was not insulting, have a discussion with them because I believe when you avoid confrontation, you create conflict. So I speak to people in a very direct manner. Yes. And, and to a lot of people, they don't like the program because this is the part where they get cut off. They right. really like the way that their mommy always told them that they were special and that how they always got a petition patient medal every time they played soccer and they were terrible. They believe that they still want to live in that world. Those people, once they get to the leadership section of my yeah. course, they, they drop out. Because that's be not helpful. Of. I'm sorry, Correct. parents. That yes. is not helpful at Correct. all because that's not real life uh -huh. and you're about to get smacked in the face. Correct. When real you life go, is hard. Real life is hard. And well, it sucks sometimes. I'll tell you one thing, right? You're 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 a guy. You're dating a really pretty girl, and she cheats on you, and she goes off with some other guy. Guess what? Karma does not change her life. No. She's happy the next day. Right. You know what happens to her? Nothing. She's a beautiful woman with some other guy on a boat. She's not. Your mom's telling you you're a special snowflake, and she wasn't good enough for you. <laughs> right. That's not true. Right. She has left you because she found someone better. Deal with the reality sure. that you live in. That's what I mean about not being passive aggressive. And the fourth pillar is mindset. And so the, that pillar is based is uh, based on several books. But the two main ones are the the power of now by Eckhart Tolle, love, and um and the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson. Okay. Those are the two main books that, that that's on. There's a couple other in there like Flow by Mihachi says Mihai, and so that that part is we talk about mindset. And this is again with the with my clients, they all want the dessert and they don't want to eat the vegetables, right? So the I start off with the social networking stuff because they're like, oh, that's how I meet girls and get sponsors for my my you know and get a cool job and make lots of money. So they always want the social networking part part first, but the mindset part is the most important. I put yeah. that at the end. There's a fifth bonus pillar pillar where I explain finance, but there's no get rich quick scheme. My my financial blocks basically explain actual finance, liquidity, how bid ask spreads work. It it has to deal with financial markets and I explain to people why Forex is a scam and why most people who are trying to sell you Bitcoin products have no idea what they're doing. Sure. So like for instance like I personally don't think that anyone under the age of 50 should ever buy an annuity because you're trapped in at 2%. You can't get that money out for a long time. And I've just seen people over – I don't know people who have owned an annuity for 10 years are like, fuck yeah, man, I'm glad I put $700,000 right. into that thing. And so I try to explain to people these are the reasons why these things can can be scams. Sure. Multi-level marketing does work 
for 3% of people who do it. And the other 97% end up in the hole. <laughs> right. And I explain things like that. So my, my finance section, I do go over quantitative analysis, which is what I do. I don't try to guess stock direction. I, I sell calls above the stock. I sell puts below the stock. I, and I wait for the stock to beat me. It's, it's it, hard to explain. I'd need like an hour to explain it. But yeah. I try to find high probability. It's like selling home insurance, right? The, the Who makes more money? The people who pay the premiums or the, or the insurance company? The insurance, insurance company. company yeah. When you sell a put on someone's stock position, right. so for instance, if you had $10 million worth of stock and, I, and $100 a share and I sold you 100 options, those 100 put options are now insurance. If those 100 put options are at the 90 delta, then then that's then then that's one hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, pr- uh, deductible at the eighty delta. Now it's two hundred thousand dollars. Or I'm sorry, eighty dollars is two hundred thousand dollars deductible. Sorry, I'm getting really complicated right it's here. It's okay. But selling a put is equivalent to selling uh, home insurance. Exactly. Like okay. Exactly the same thing. Same actuary tables. Same mathematics. Same uh, Black Scholes model. Everything's the same. Because I love the stock market. I always just yeah. feel like okay, so the stocks that I'm going to invest in are I made a lot of money on slot machine components. Okay. okay? Because I knew that back in the day, in Mississippi, there were some laws that were going to allow riverboats sure. to then have gambling, legalized gambling. So I thought, okay, what is every single? They're going to need the components sure. that go into. And so I thought, okay, just common sense for me. Did that work out? It did. Okay, so now here's the thing. You had an asymmetry of information because you saw something other people didn't see. That did not make the national news. I don't no. remember anything about that. So you researched, and this is one thing I tell entrepreneurs, you need to become a subject matter expert at one thing. Right. So what, 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 when people come to me and say, I want to be an entrepreneur, what I hear is you don't want a boss and you don't want to work. <laughs> That's what I hear. When I explain to them, you want to be an entrepreneur, that means you're going to leave your nine to five for an eight to 10. You're gonna work more. You're gonna work 60, 70 hours if you wanna be an entrepreneur. They don't wanna hear that. I'm like, I loved having an 06 colonel over me in my squadron because he took the shit that I didn't wanna take from the general. That's what I, that, I loved having top cover. I don't mind having a boss if he's a good boss, if yeah. he's not passive aggressive. So in this situation, um, uh, with the, uh, oh God, what were we talking about just a second ago? Are we just talking about stocks? And yeah, yeah. talking about, yes. Um, yeah. No, wait. And top, oh. and, uh, entre- yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry. People don't yeah, want so I'm the- sorry. So when I hear entre- the word entrepreneur, I, I do this to myself. I get myself off track. Uh, when I hear the word entrepreneur, that's like, again, what I hear is it, these people who don't want to learn something. So I explain to them, these people want to be entrepreneurs. Like you don't want your own boss. It would be, it would behoove someone so much, Amy to be your intern for two years oh my gosh, to this, learn real estate and girl, nobody wants to do it. I know. She was just like, you're a terrible leader. I was like, I'm a terrible leader. I literally taught you every aspect of the business. Listen, yeah. I'm a broker. I took the five hour yeah. test. They don't teach you that. You don't know. That's not shit. Yes. When you get out there into the real world, like you're just like, what the hell? What is happening? I mean, you're going out selling $10 million houses. Like it's it's a totally different beast than being in, you know, uh, studying for some five hour exam. And so, you know, I'm really teaching her that and she's like, you're wasting my time. Like I'm teaching you the basics. Yes. Like if you don't build a house with a foundation, guess what? It can look as beautiful as possible. One big strong wind, one big earthquake, like of you're course. done. And so she was so mad at me and I just thought, I see her now and I think like, well, good luck to you. Sounds, because- un- sounds unaccountable. I bet I know her. Uh, But she, you know, she didn't want to put just the work into right building. She just wanted to be like a Beverly Hills agent. You don't just get there overnight. Yeah. Even if you're sleeping with the right people, they're still not going to give you their house to sell. Okay. It's, it's, it's a very large part of their portfolio. Okay. So, so now going back to what you're saying before, think about how much someone could learn from being an intern for you for a couple of years or having you as a boss for a couple of years. Well, people are so terrified of that. You need to, so here's the two things. Ready? You guys want to make a million dollars. Ready? Here it is. This is what you paid for. This is why you're on the show. Ready? You need to become a subject matter expert, and then you need to solve other people's fucking problem. That's it. When I say become a subject matter expert, that means you've got to do the 300 hours of study and work for someone you might not enjoy working for who knows more than you. And then when you you solve someone else's problem, this is not a function of you solving your problem. You ever meet the person who opens the restaurant that they've always wanted to go to and it's closed in like three months? Right, because it was their food that yes. they wanted to eat. Or the nightclub they've always wanted to go yeah. to and then it's gone in three months. No, people don't care. People yes. care about people don't care about the service that, that I have to offer. People want the service that solves their yes, problems. Yes, solves their problem. That's it. End of story. Sales, when it comes to sales, you cannot present yourself in a way that says, I'm this and I'm that. It's like, no, I'm going to solve this for you. 
Exactly. I mean, if people just changed um, the way that they presented themselves, I think they would be a lot more successful. For sure. And the motivational quotes that I see people post, they scare me because a lot of the motivational posts that I read, there's things like just completely ignore negativity. I'm like, well, I think what you're hearing is constructive criticism. Right. And because you're very soft, you think that's negativity. Right. And you don't understand these are words you need to hear. You want to take, you want, you know, the quote you need to put up is the one by Elon Musk that says you will be paid direct, like linear. You will be paid directly in proportion to the size of the problem you solve. Not very romantic. Not a lot of manifestation in that uh, quote, but it is the truth. That quote is the truth. The truth is like what we can't, uh, unfortunately, while in this country and one of the most wonderful things that has happened in this country in the last few years is a striving for equality for different classes, racial classes, genders, and things like that. While that is terrific, what what has happened, unfortunately, and this is an unfortunate side effect, even though the first thing is terrific, is that we we want... um, inequality of outcomes and we're not going to get an equality of outcomes life isn't fair i always wanted to play small forward in the nba and unfortunately i did not end up with a 42 inch vertical or become six nine so i can't play small forward in the nba so i went and did something else that i love right yeah. so because of that i don't i don't worry about fair i just worry about like okay what can i do what is the most i can do what is the most i can accomplish and when you look at it that way and you say there i have no i am grateful for everything i have and feel that i am entitled to nothing when you do that it's fantastic it's absolutely yeah. fantastic unless we're talking about you in a relationship in which case you are entitled to certain things but as far as you, as far as your job or, or, or what kind of money you should make, you're not entitled to anything. Yeah. You, are, you aren't. Look, I, I'm all about hustle, right? Right. I'm just like, your outcome will be the amount of hustle that you put into it. That's it. Yes. Do you think though, because, okay, so I'm a pretty, I hate to say confrontational because it just sounds like, like such it. a, but I'm a very confrontational person because yes. I would rather... I think from the cancer, I understand just how limited my time mm. could have been on this earth yeah. when I was given a 30% chance to live at 24. Yeah. And so um, I just kind of want to get to it, get past it. I don't want to hold grudges. I don't want to, I don't want to think about it. So people are like, oh, I don't, you know what I mean? Like yeah. when it comes to, but I feel like, I guess you're kind of confrontational in a way, but it's, it's good. Well, well, but my confrontation is never going to be personal and no. I'm never, and I'm never going to be rude. And one of the things I have to do with my clients all the time is I have to explain to them. I don't hate any of you. You right. have to understand that when I say these things in a very forceful manner, well, I, I give you an example. One of the problems that'll happen kind of a less mature way of thinking is without nuance. So if I, I say to my clients, sometimes I used to tell them when Bitcoin was at 60,000, I said, I think it's too expensive. And there, what they heard was, Michael hates Bitcoin. That's not what I said. That's not what I said. I said, at 60,000, it's too expensive. What they heard was, Michael hates Bitcoin, right? Does that make sense? It does. What what I've said before in certain instances, I was like, um, uh, so I have this this rule on my, you ever seen Instagrams where people just post flyers over and over again? It's just very annoying. They look look like promoters. And I have a rule. If you post a flyer on your Instagram, as soon as that event happens, flyer comes off your Instagram. It just, you look like a promoter. It's terrible. What they heard was Michael hates flyers. So they never, and I was just like, you guys got, you have to understand the nuance. You're never, it's just because I teach you how to shoot a three pointer. That doesn't mean when you're right under the basket, you're shooting a three pointer. You need to learn nuance in different places in life. You have to do different things. And a lot of people, I'll give you an example. Um, Elon Musk is a pretty smart guy. Sure. I'd say the majority of the self-help community and tech community look up to this guy like he's a god. He's super smart. Obviously, the guy, he did not finish his, his PhD in material physics, but clearly he was smart enough to get one, right? And the guy is um, a billionaire several times over and at one point was the wealthiest man in the world based on market capitalization, okay? Yeah. And get ready for it. Ready? Hold on to your butts. He <laughs> drinks six Diet Cokes a day. Oh my God. What the fuck? I did not All know that those. aspartame. How can he function? There are people out there in the self-help community. Their brains are melting. He drinks six Diet Cokes. That's impossible. Where really? are his blue blockers? Does he get his ketones? What about his his moments in the sauna? Does he do, <laughs> does he do his deadlifts every day in his cold spa? What about his mushroom tea and all these fads that come out with? Yeah. No, he is successful and he drinks Diet Coke. And people can't deal with that, man. You know who yeah. drinks? You know who drinks two six packs of Jer- cherry Coke a day? the third or fourth richest man in the world Warren Buffett he drinks and you know he doesn't drink water his sister gave a report on him one time they asked they interviewed his sister he's like I have never seen my brother 
eat a vegetable or drink water. Wow. And it's like, but this guy was the wealthiest man in the world at one point. Sure. And people just can't wrap their head around it because they believe, they believe in these, these things that have to be well, true. Yeah. They believe, listen, it's, it's the get rich quick scheme, yes. right? It's like, if I drink this uh, kombucha, whatever the hell it is. Okay. Guys, tea. ready, ready, kombu ready for kombucha. <laughs> you know what probiotics do? Look up the sign. I'm going to piss so many people off. You don't want to know what probiotics do. Nothing. You could look up the science right now and you will find that probiotics have absolutely no, unless you have a serious, if you're going through radiation sure, treatment. Sure, and, and you have a, if, right. If, if you're going through radi radiation treatment, 100% you need probiotics. What's happened, unfortunately, is people drink kombucha and they're like, man, that smells a little bit like, like poop. Uh -huh. Let me drink this poop beer. Uh -huh. That's so interesting. And listen, I'm guilty of it too, but the stu the science is out and it does not affect your biome it does whatsoever yeah. at all. And yeah. people are brains melting no cannot be true yeah. and then you tell them that and then every single one of them will tell you we didn't either either we didn't land on the moon in 1969 uh uh vaccines 100 cause autism uh lee harvey oswald acted with the cia to kill kennedy and uh the earth is flat right and that but 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 when you explain to them about kombucha and you show them the science they're like no i don't believe that but i think it's also very celebrity driven right sure. i mean you've got these people it's funny i have a lot of different i can't i can't stand social media but it's just this kind of weird necessary evil and um you know it's like i've got so many different accounts i've got my you know amy weber account and then i've got my you know business account and so i've got quite a decent following on people that knew me from the industry and what have you. But then it's like, I did this little experiment, right? People are so obsessed with celebrities. What are celebrities doing? And it's like, you know, every time I post about a celebrity house, it goes through the roof of course, when yeah. it comes to like, it's just like, that makes sense. So I just feel like, you know, these people like the goops and the, this and all the different lifestyle, yeah. you know, um, blogs and vlogs and everything that's out there. People just, again, want this kind of snap your fingers and I'm going to look younger, feel better, yes. be a millionaire, so have the think, wife. What do you think that is? It's I, to me, I don't know. I call it weakness. I don't know what have, else, how, how else to say it have, other than like you don't have a, your own thinking brain. Have you ever read Steven Pinker or David Buss? They're evolutionary psychologists. Have you ever read any of their books? No. The Evolution of Desire or uh, How the Mind Works. Uh, Gad Sad is another evolutionary psychologist. Um, the idea is, the uh, evolutionary theory, the idea is absolutely every preference we have comes from evolution, right? Every single one. And people don't like that idea because- Evolution meaning that it works the best? No, evolution meaning that the majority of Homo sapien experience is from 300,000 years ago, the pre-Plasticine epoch up until right now, until the Sumerians 11,000 years ago, and then the agricultural revolution then led to the industrial revolution and then in 10 years of Facebook. So unfortunately, we, we see the 15 years of Facebook and think the world was always Facebook. Right. What we don't realize is 300,000 years of no language, just barely like hunter-gatherer survival or whatever, you, whenever I see people acting in a way that seems odd, I always remember pre-Plasticine Homo sapien ca caveman. I always remember the, uh, the, the preferences they have come from evolution. Every one of your preferences come from evolution. So whenever you start talking about, well, what is these high-status people doing? That's what people would always do. They were always considerate of like, what do, what do the high-status people have? Why? That's called sexual selection. That's one of the things they want to know. It's like these people who have higher sexual selection than me, I want to know what they so have. So in the cavemen, the people that basically were getting the, you know, killing the most meat and had... Sure. <laughs> what, what, but, but like, there's an, but that's, a, that's a great point. But whalers also, there's a, there's a society in the... Um, South Pacific, where the oh. highest status men are short. And the reason why is because those men could stand on the tip of the boat and throw spears into whales. Right. So those are the ones who did the most killing. So the highest status men in that tribe were short. That tribe, which is not necessarily going to do much in Los Angeles. Correct. Yeah, in Los yeah. Angeles, it's a little different, right? <laughs> you, you, you're, it's how tall your belly is. I mean, is. David Spade, I love you. You're cool, but you're not getting <laughs> a lot of action it's, it's, with it's, your height. <laughs> it's, how tall your, it's how tall your Ferrari is. That's how it works in Los Angeles. Oh, my gosh. that's a, I'm the antithesis <laughs> of that. Oh, my gosh. I, I dated a pretty well-known um, uh, producer or director in the industry. And it's funny because I always say, um, why did I meet you there? Like, I just didn't want to be seen. I don't know why. Like, I just didn't. Yeah. People stare as it is. Yes. Like, and I don't need that extra attention. Sure. It always made me feel very uncomfortable. So, so. So, so take every single thing that you felt and every single question that you've had about human behavior and then just start saying, caveman. Just start from there. Yeah. For start like what what through natural selection like so for instance 
um, when a child is born, the mother is flooded, her brain is flooded with oxytocin, right? Yes. Child rearing and childbirth is a very excruciating thing. Uh, it's yeah. not a fun thing to go through. No. So what, what, so in order, in order for you to go through it, what must evolution do? It must flood your flood reward you. center yeah. in order for you to now care for this child. And now you have unconditional love for this child. What was, what does that do? Without unconditional love, how does the species continue to procreate? It wouldn't. Right. Those ch children are pretty much helpless when they're born. Yeah. So now you need a caregiver. So evolution would have selected for mothers that had unconditional love for their children and whose brains were flooded with oxytocin whenever they had the child. Make sense? Yeah. So when you think every single thing that is pervasive amongst homo sapiens, when you think all of it comes from evolution, everything makes sense. Everything makes sense. Yeah. There is no confusion about why he didn't call you back or why she cheated on you. Every, everything makes sense. And then you come to this very dark very dark realization. Well, is there any free will if it's all from evolution? And then I ask my friends all the time, same question. Make yourself like eating poop. Oh, you can't? Oh, well, I thought you had free will. Oh, but you can't. That person that you found unattractive, snap your fingers, find them attractive. Oh, you can't because you don't have free will. You right. don't. Your preferences are based in evolution. And every time you think that you have a co coherent thought that you came up originally, when they put scanners on people's brains, what they find is milliseconds before that thought entered your head, you already were creating the thought in other parts of the brain. And so what happens is from a subconscious level, the thought is being uh, uh, um, assembled. Yeah. On a conscious level, you just know at 1 p.m. you wanted to stand up. That's all you know. But at 12.59.59, those pieces of the thought were being formed and you weren't aware that it was happening. So from your standpoint, from your conscious standpoint, you had free will which caused you to stand up at 1 p.m., but that's not what happened. When we look at it scientifically, that's not what happened. And so it becomes really, like for some people, they don't like the idea that we're just sad biological robots that, that, that were created through evolution. Yeah. But I like it. I think it's, I think it's liberating. I find it liberating. Now that I understand that evolution is the reason why people behave the way they behave, I never guess wrong anymore, right. ever. It is incredible to me how much more the world makes sense when I look at everything through the eyes of evolutionary psychology. It's amazing. At sales too. I mean, behavioral psychology, or I'm sorry, um, what's it called? Um, economic psychology, I can't remember. There, <laughs> there's a new study for it um, uh, where they talk about uh, people's purchasing, right. the reason why they purchase, but it's based in evolutionary psychology. It's fantastic. Well, it's interesting. I mean, like working with high net worth individuals, mm -hmm. they all have very similar kind of behaviors. I mean, believe it or not, most high, you know, if you want to meet people like that, uh, go to a charity event. Yes. Because most people that are high net worth are going to be giving back. Yeah. Philanthropy. Yeah. It's a really big part of their life, which you think, oh, high net worth, then they're stingy, selfish, greedy people, but right. that couldn't be further from the truth. Well, what I found is with the charity stuff, because I agree with you totally. Yeah. I, I, I throw several charities where we use, we have influencers and the influencers ask guys to like donate money to the downtown dog rescue or Operation Blankets of Love <clears throat> or for the troops.org or the Shade Tree, which is the domestic abuse shelter here in Las Vegas. Yeah or the Midnight Mission, which is a homeless shelter in Los Angeles, we ask them to donate money and give resources to those different, those different places. What I like about charities, however, is that if you see somebody go repeatedly, that's a decent sign that they're not a sociopath. And to me, that is like the number one thing. In Los Angeles, like, I know it sounds insane, yeah. but 3.3% of the U.S. population reportedly are sociopaths, and about 5.9% of the U.S. population suffers from uh, borderline personality disorder. For me, not being able to, being able to identify those people very quickly because I've had run-ins with individuals like that and they create the most chaos in my life. Yeah. Being able to see something like that, I love using charities because what you might get a sociopath come to a charity once or twice, but after the fifth time, they're like, what's in it for me? Right. I'm sorry, I don't, what did I win by going to this charity? <laughs> right. I don't understand, where's my money? I, well, where's I know, my, where's dude, my can, gift bag? Dude, I can tell <laughs> when I invite someone to a charity and their response to me is, are you gonna pay for my uh, hotel and can you get my friends in for free? And I'm like, oh bro, God. it's a charity. Wow. You want me to get you in for free? Motherfucker, I'm paying, I'm donating to the charity and I'm hosting the red carpet and you want me to get you in for free. And then, then I start questioning their empathy and then you start to see things fall apart. So for me, I like using charity as a screening yeah. to see if people have any empathy or not. It's just crazy to me. I think it's so amazing that you have a shelter. I was, uh, I had a client the other day and I had to pull over because, you know, I came from a really abusive household. I mean, yeah. my dad was a monster. Um, pretty much every day he would tell me he was going to kill me. I did believe it. And he broke many bones in me from the time I was about three until I was about 12. Until I had a bit of a, I guess like almost a psychotic break. Mm. And just said, I, I'm not going to let him touch my mom anymore. Right. Or my, you know, my sister or myself. Um, but I remember thinking like, 
how did my mom just not leave? Right. Right. Wait, well, I don't understand this. Like, cause as a mother, I am a mother. Yes. I literally would, I mean, I wrestled for the WWE. So uh -huh. like, I feel like I could pretty much take on anyone, yeah. but it doesn't matter. That's like, I would literally kill someone before they got to my children. Well, so it's like, so she's telling me in the car, this woman is telling me, I don't know her, but I'm a very empathetic person. People sure. smell it on me a mile away. They know that they can confide in me and that I'm going to, um, to listen to them with a very open mind and open arms. And she said to me, don't know her well, just made an offer for her on a house. And she said that two of her children had killed themselves. Um, she had six children and apparently, um, the, the husband was very mm. abusive and, um, she didn't leave. And so she was crying to me that she wanted to help her daughter mm. buy a house. It was born really out of guilt, right. For the other two yeah. that she wasn't able to leave the situation. And so, um, I just find it extraordinary when I see women that do go to a shelter. I it, look, it's not an ideal situation to go from a home where all of your belongings are and then to go into a shelter, but to have the backbone and um, the willpower to start over with uh, unknown with your children and go to a shelter and the fact that you guys have that available is just incredible. It's, I mean, it's a great place. I, I really, um, when I see um, the people that are there, the fact that you bring your kids with you yeah. and then the dog. So a lot of times people don't realize this, uh, a, a woman's a victim of domestic abuse and you take the kids and you leave, the husband may take it out on the animals. And so being able to take the animals with you is another thing. So that's a family member, right? And that's that they, they may abuse the animal, like mistreat the animal. So that's why there's a, a, a place, a kennel that, like I said, at, at the shade tree. My question for you is, um, do you ever find yourself falling into certain patterns because of the way your father treated you? Do you ever find yourself saying, settling for something and realizing, no, I don't deserve this, or did, and does any of it stick with you? Is it something you work through with therapy? Because I know for me, I'll just be honest with you, there was a f definite feelings of inadequacy for me in high school and junior high, just massively being picked on, which changed, which got me in the gym every day, maybe join the military, all these kind of things. Did you ever have issues with that? Absolutely. I mean, growing up there, um, up until I would say about 10 years ago, there was always this, if bad things happened, it was my fault. Um, I wasn't good enough for great things to happen to me, right? Like I didn't deserve good things. And so I did have to break that mental cycle because it's just such a false narrative. With relationships, have you ever found yourself in a relationship where you're like, I don't deserve this and you think maybe this is leaking in from some other part of your life? I mean, relationships were really interesting for me. I think I became so hyper-focused on becoming so successful that I would never have to rely on a man. Okay. Um, I made so much money. I, I literally just was socking money away and buying houses at a very early age because I never, ever wanted to get into a relationship sure. that I felt like I was stuck. Yeah. I could leave. I mean, even when I was dating, I wouldn't get in the car with someone. I would want to meet them there wow. just out of a safety that yeah. I could escape that situation. So so this you think this came from the relationship with your father and this is oh, why absolutely. you, you want to escape. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. I wanted to have control. Mm -hmm. I didn't have control as a child. Yeah. I wanted to have control of some situation that I could get myself to safety. Yeah. And not be in a situation where I was trapped. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I found that that I, I found a weakness towards there's certain types of validation that I would get from a woman and I would just ignore all the red flags. Yeah. And I it re it's really had to be something and it ca and it came from my upbringing. It had to be something that I paid attention to. But uh, I recently one of my friends is a therapist and just some of the things that she's explaining to me, I'm like, oh, man, I did. You just don't realize because people think that they're made of glass. They think that bad energy we'll just call it energy for the, yeah. for the sake of this argument. Bad, <laughs> energy, bad energy comes into the room and then the energy goes through them like light through a glass. But it yeah. doesn't work like that. Right. They're like, oh, I'm good. I feel good about myself. But they're surrounded by people who are negative or people who are passive aggressive or people who talk bad about other people behind their back. Right. And they think it doesn't affect them. But it does. After a while, it does. So right now in your upbringing, when you're three, you said from three to 12, this is a very, very crucial time for your, for, for your neurological development, like yes. literal neural pathways are being built in your brain because of the experiences that you're having during this period of time. And those neural pathways are hard to undo. Especially your self-esteem yes. is huge. That's mm -hmm. why with, for my children at that age, it literally was like, look, lifting them up in a way like you know i'm going to make you mad and that's okay and yeah. you can be mad at me um but there will always be love 
no matter what there you can mess up and you're going to yeah. right that's life you're going to have some um some hiccups you're going to trip but i will always be there for you yeah and there will always be love even if i'm you know just as angry as hell mm. at you so and then you know really going out the door every day from the time they were started preschool just you know like um you can do anything you want in this world Right. Anything. The world is yours, really. And I'll always be there for you. And so I never got that. So I think all the therapy that I've gone through has been more about, um, well, you know, it was harder. Like if my dad was just a monster 24 seven, it might've been easier, but there were fleeting moments of him being kind of a dad, yeah. not necessarily hugging me or saying, I love you or I'm proud of you, but just these sort of weird fleeting moments. I mean, I raced motorcycles when I was a kid, um, flat track, nothing yeah. I wanted to do, but just, I wanted my dad to just like me, right? Right. Just anything to did, like did, me. You ever, Michael Jordan has a, uh, older brother named Larry okay. and, uh, his dad, my, Michael's dad always favored Larry because Larry and him would Larry join the military and Larry would go build things in the in the closet with him. But Michael's dad and Michael's brother all both grew to be five foot ten and Michael grew to be six six six. And he wanted to make his dad proud. So like the, there's this in just this unstoppable chip on his shoulder for the rest of his life to try to get that that happiness. Yeah. If you listen to his Hall of Fame speech, I don't think he's very happy. I, I'll be the first to tell you, Michael Jordan is a billionaire, and I don't think he's very happy. Yeah. I think that this, this uh, he there was no stop and smell the roses and very little gratitude for the situation that he was in, but just this almost psychopathic necessity to always win and dominate. And he did. Yeah. And we all looked up to him for it, and he has a billion dollars for it. But you know, then you just wonder at the end, like, is that what you want? Is it Would worth you rather it? Be, yeah. Is it worth it? Would you rather be happy? Right? Yeah. No, I look that that's a big, big part of my story. People are just like, oh my gosh, you get everything you want. It's like, I'm killing myself to be perfect. Just perfect. Not a, not a single misstep, uh, just to win my father's right. love and for him to stop hitting me and stop hitting the right. rest of my family. So look, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, you know, I don't know how I took the path I took and yeah. other people go through drugs and some people become prostitutes and, you know, whatever they do to try to get that thing that they didn't get. And those formative do, years. Do you, ever, do you ever look at your father and let's just say he has a condition. Do you ever look at it and then just like objectively with no emotion say, well, because I have a family member who I'm pretty sure <clears throat> he's, you know, he's passed away. And I, when I go back, I'm fairly certain that this person had autism and I just mm. didn't recognize it because there were these conversations we'd have and he just couldn't understand what I was saying. But I didn't understand what autism was when I was seven, eight years old, right? Yeah. And now I go back and I'm like, oh, okay, now I understand what was going on. Now I get it. Uh, a lot of people, we, we didn't understand borderline personality disorder very well 20, 30 years ago. Uh, sociopathy has just been a crapshoot for the last 20, you know, in, right. in the 1970s, we were clueless on what yeah. sociopaths were. Um, and so I just curious, do you ever look back at your father objectively and say, okay, this is what his motivations were. I understand. And then you can transcend it a little bit. Cause that's what I do. Whenever, whenever somebody does me wrong, I'm like in their mind, you understand even Hitler thought he was the good guy. Everyone sure. thinks of it. Benito Mussolini thought he was the good guy. Everyone thinks he's a good guy in their yeah. story. They're all the good guy. Right. Yeah. But at some point you have to, you have to say in their life, there was certain things that happened that caused, like with, we'll just use Hitler as an example. He was an NCO in World War One, and he watched his countrymen starve to death, like around him left and right. So in his mind, anything that happened that was bad to any other country that wasn't Germany was justified because of what these other people did to Germany. In his mind, that's what he thought. He's right. still a psychopath, 100% a psychopath. But you understand where his motivations came from. And so I'm curious, do you ever look back at your dad and say, well, the, he he's the way, like uh, the, the term I've heard is hurt people hurt people. And so would you ever look back at him and say, well, his motivations were this and this is why he acts the way he does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, my, my mother was, um, yeah, she came from a very Southern Baptist religious upbringing. She was incredibly um, put down, abused, really had no um, backbone whatsoever, um, no, no courage. And then my father also had a pretty um, tumultuous childhood. So yeah, I do, I do look back. I guess it's hard for me because I see that. Yes. But I also had a really bad situation right. that, um, you don't see me doing that to my yes. children, right? I've kind of gone, you're like, aware of it. I'm aware. And so I've gone up way. So yes, we are a little more woke for sure. I suppose for lack of a, From a psychological word. standpoint, we're woke. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, I guess the hardest part is that I think, um, I don't speak to my mom and dad anymore. Mm. It became a really toxic situation. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, it was nothing, it was other, nothing other than, um, you know, I've tried everything to have a very semi-healthy relationship and I don't see that happening and I can't get married. I got married really late in life in my late thirties and I can't, um, start this particular relationship with this right Right. sort of toxicity in my life, unfortunately. And so I wish you the best, you know, nothing but love, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit, yeah, I do see, I understand a lot of it, but he did say at one point, uh, in a prideful way, uh, but look how strong I made you. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that just, just pissed me off. Okay, so, so th- this, this is why, this is why I'm saying this. Cause on Saturday I have a therapist coming in. Yes. Uh, and we're going to talk about borderline personality disorder, which sounds like that's what your dad had. That's right. why I'm, that's why I'm bringing this up because for me, if I can go back, so I love my mom, and my relationship with my mother actually started to grow. When my father passed away, I started to not take this for granted. When I was 29 years old. I was a second, first lieutenant in the military. And when I started to get to know my mom more, it was great. But at the same time, my mother I, my mother grew up in the, in the 60s and 70s, and I want to know about the march with Martin Luther King. I want to know about what was it like when, the, when we landed on the moon? What was that yeah. day like? And we never have those conversations. The conversations are always, it's too cold outside, wear a jacket. Like I'm 10 and I always wanted my mom to tell me about like the struggle, like the, the, my mom's Colombian. What was it like emigrating to the U S or like having family members come over here and ask for asylum? We never talk about that. It's always, uh, no, Michael, you need to go to church more and wear your jacket when you go outside. Cause it's cold. Like I'm 10 and it's like, but I, I still have to understand she's my mother. These are the motivations that she has. And even though I would love to listen to my mother, explain her life to me like a historian, she's just never going to do that. No. It's just never going to be the You're relationship. You're not going to get, have. yeah, it's not the relationship. And that's the thing is that you have to kind of get to that point where you realize, um, you're going to continue to feel disappointment right. if you think that you are going to have that relationship that you have always wanted. Right. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I uh, You're very well read, which I think is fantastic. Books have literally been my life. They yeah. were my saving grace as a child. Mm-hmm. It was the one thing that literally probably kept me from killing myself was books. Yeah. Just being able to learn and explore and get lost and go into another world. And um, I always say like, you know, if, if I did believe in, you know, many, many lifetimes, yes. I've, I've lived many lifetimes, but I think more than anything, it's just, I've read about many people's lifetimes. Some, some of them real and some of them not. Right. Some of them are, uh, you know, George Washington and some of them are Jon Snow. Yes. Like it just depends. Uh, the Song of Ice and Fire actually got me through a really tough time reading those five novels and then the uh, the other six, compa- the books that came with it, the Game of Thrones series yeah. that helped me. And then I'm reading The Expanse, which is also fiction, which is probably the best. Uh, just let you guys know, because some of you are wondering, the best show on television is The Expanse. It's on Amazon. If you are curious, go check it out. If you don't believe me, go on Rotten Tomato and find out the only show that's ever gotten a 100 on Rotten Tomato. It's called The Expanse. <laughs> I've been on Rotten Tomato. Yeah. I do. Believe yeah, if there is one show that has a 100 on Rotten Tomato, it's called The Expanse. You'll oh see, gosh. you'll see it. It is uh, Jeff Bezos' favorite show, which is why he bought it from Sci Fi. Oh my gosh, okay, so you have to, um, you have to promise me that we will get together again, of either course, on many your times show you want, or sure. my show. I think we have so much more to dig into, yeah, but it's just been an absolute fascinating. Time. We did not talk about quantum mechanics. This is we, what we didn't talk, we talk, we, we, or, we, or Afghanistan, but there's, there's still a lot to unpack. I oh feel yeah. Like. No, it's a lot with Afghanistan. Kendrick, Afghanistan is just a breakup. It's oh a breakup. my gosh. And nobody, yeah. nobody wants, everyone. no one wanted to, for them to break up. Listen, but. when it's a breakup, sometimes you don't have to block them, but you do need to unfollow. And I think that's what's going on here. Oh my gosh. So well said. Yeah. Thank you so much for being a guest. Of course. All right, guys, listen, I want to thank everyone for listening. I know my podcast is new. It's gaining a lot of traction and it's all because of you guys. So continue to subscribe, continue to listen. If you have any questions, send them in to me. Until then, I'll see you next time.